0: You know, like, you bring coupons to the grocery, and they scan the coupons, and you get Food stamps? Money. Yeah, food stamps. I never had food stamps. You, well, your mo- your wife did.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Yes. I wish we were recording this. I was there. <laughs> it was real.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't, no. ga- don't gaslight your father. No, that's not <laughs>
0: true. When? <laughs> what do you mean when? When I was a child. No, we hundred percent had snap.
1: We did not have snap. <laughs> I'm only at grocery shops. I. The only time Berg sees me outside of this place is at the grocery store.
2: Hey, I didn't I see you in a parking lot somewhere?
1: No,
0: that's I, that was here.
2: Sorry. <laughs> hey, Petey, what's up? You're hey, right.
0: mom, you are you're live on the Clerical Errors Podcast. Um, <laughs> We need you to make it uh, a call here. Uh, my father does not think that we had to use Snap when I was young.
1: I have a vague memory of it.
0: No. Right, because... I
1: don't...
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Dad says no, Dad no, no, and I said definitely we did. <laughs> this is the most entertainment I've had like, in a long is it time. Shopping? It's for shopping? Yeah, it's for stopping. Like we weren't on food kind of stamps.
2: Uh, I don't remember positively. I'm sorry.
0: You're making this real hard to win an argument. Have... <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I know you'd rather I just help you win, but I got to be honest. Was there something that maybe, sure. maybe, maybe there might have been something where it was like uh, through the school that that maybe, like, uh, if you received reduced lunch, you got like tickets for milk or bread or something like that. Maybe. I'm sorry. I can't help you. All right. Maybe. Thanks for trying. Happy podcasting. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Claire Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studio, I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Uh,. So we have in the fellowship hall Peter, we have uh, like a group of high school students taking their p s a t and I'm wondering if they can hear us right now
0: that's never why is that not done at the school? I don't know I asked
2: that question
1: because I, I guess it's a bigger group and they can't turn off the bells they do they do studying at the churches that's happened, but like no they're taking a test so. The clerical Heirs podcast could be a reason that our school district gets demoted by the government because <laughs> they were can't just. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the way, uh, vicar and I got a drink. There's a new addition to the show. Yes, it yes, is the, I saw it. The official clerical errors mini fridge. And uh, from the mini fridge, uh, I have. Uh, got grabbed an Arnold Palmer light, and this. I want to thank Berg for this mini fridge because it was purchased through an honorarium of doing his funerals. So, hey, you know, thank you, you, you earned it, man. <laughs> and, and, uh, so I, I've got an Arnold Palmer, you got coffee there?
2: Yeah, I have an Americano because, you know,
0: I'm, uh, I'm patriotic like that.
1: <laughs>
0: so, uh, Vicar or, or Peter, what do you have? Um, I'm, I don't have it yet. As soon as you guys start talking, I'm going to go get my sneak energy. Oh, s- sneak. Oh, yeah. Although uh, I was told by uh, the Pastor Kilgo here in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, that uh, Berg really needs to send him some mead.
2: Well, I wouldn't want it to get broken in the mail, so, I mean, that just we just have to go out there and uh, and enjoy some of this. Is it uh,
1: legal to... to- the mail homemade mead cross state lines I don't know it would be fun to find out yeah so what we'll do is we'll mail it with vicker's name and address okay. just to make sure right <laughs> cuz we don't want to get defrocked by getting arrested for doing something legal no that's true it's too risky it's, <laughs> but it's crazy how like
2: people should be able to distill their own alcohol they should be able to send it through the mail
0: uh, this is uh, by the this, way Yes? Uh, update from Mrs. Bullhagan. We were on WIC food stamps. Not Snap. WIC. We were on W-I-C. WIC.
1: When was that? That's, that's um, made up.
0: When we were young. <laughs> it's not made up. Dear listener, this WIC, is a
2: continuing conversation between father right. and son. WIC it's provides very touching and hilarious. nutritious
0: foods, nutrition education, breastfeeding support, and referrals. Oh, so uh, so Peter, they, as you're looking uh,
2: compare that to Snap.
0: I mean, I did it's basically the same. It's oh, just is it? the requirements are different. I did
1: wait a minute. I did plenty of breastfeeding or support.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm right. Okay. Anyway. Oh yeah. So uh you know, you're I guess you'll have to come down and visit and uh share some meat, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I'm all for that. So, but I don't know how much more, you know, I went to the conference, which was awesome. Everybody, every listener should think about going to Lutheranism and the Classics. It's amazing. Two years from now, we are going to be, uh, in 2023, uh, the conference is going to be on humor, which really fits with this podcast. Yeah. So, uh, I'd put that on your calendar. End of, uh, September, 2023.
1: I noticed like, if you go to, was it, uh, Apple Podcasts, or maybe in Spotify, where we're listed as a comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not wrong. <laughs> what else would you call it? Oh, Vicar, you got to get that. Sorry. Vicar has to go answer the phone. Yeah, I would do it, but he's the Vicar, so <laughs> our secretary is out today. But we're pushing through. We are. And we're back. I forgot my sheets. Oh, sheets, yes. So, Bergy, brought me a, some sort of a present. Do you want me to open that on the air? I do want you to open that on the air.
2: It was a thank you gift for uh, all of the funerals that uh, Bullhagen had to do while I was away.
1: Hopefully you didn't have to clean up any messes when he got back for me.
2: <laughs>
1: nope, no messes okay. at all. Like, why did he do an altar call or something? I haven't heard about
2: that one yet so <laughs> so uh I wasn't sure like because I know you said hornitos yes so I got that one and but then there was another one at fairway so uh, that was more of an amber color and I didn't know if there was a difference in taste so
1: oh yeah you probably got the uh, the plata, the, the silver and then the riz risado or respado uh, reposado. Reposado. Yeah, so, uh both are
2: good. So I don't know which one is your favorite, but I figured
1: this way I'd at least have a 50-50 chance. You know, we could be really popular. Do you know there are high schoolers roaming the hallways right now? <laughs> <laughs> that might actually be illegal and immoral. Is it a sin? We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. So, Okay, Vicar, what is the uh, text for Sunday? By the way, thank you, Berg. I do what I can. This is my official thank you note.
3: I wouldn't say I'm a hero, maybe a legend or an icon, but. So there's two choices for a gospel reading for this Sunday, the uh, 20th Sunday after Trinity. There's Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, which is the parable of the wedding feast. Um, Or the other one, which I'm going to preach on, Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 34. And that's the parable of the tenants in the vineyard.
2: Boy, Vicar's being a radical here.
1: <laughs> so okay. will, you, will you commune with
2: him? Oh, boy, I don't know. Are we of that's, the same spirit? You know, the fellowship is shaking, but, you know. <laughs> so, all right, which so, Vicar, this is, uh, since you're preaching on this text, it's
3: your rodeo. You get to choose which one you want to talk about. Or we can talk about both of them. Well, how about I talk about the parable of the tenants first, since I've kind of got a handle on that one now. Sounds great. So Jesus tells a parable to the Pharisees and the high priests um, about a vineyard, and it it really mirrors Isaiah 5, that vineyard that the Lord made with walls and a a watchtower, and he planted the vineyard. But that one bore no fruit, Mm -hmm. wild grapes. Well, in this one, there's nothing really wrong per se with the fruit, but it talks about how the tenants, um, when the master sent people to come, his servants to come receive the fruit. Uh, they beat one, stoned another, and and killed the third. And then, so what the Lord does is supposed to be a surprise. He sends his own son that surely they'll listen to him. And they take him outside the vineyard and they kill him. So Jesus asks, what should the owner of the vineyard do when he comes? And the Pharisees and the high priests Answer, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to the tenants who give him the fruits in their seasons. But what Jesus says is, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So he kind of places not only them parts in the parable, but he places himself in there as the son that was killed.
1: And uh, because because God's first reaction was of mercy, even still. Yep, right. Keep going. Yeah, because uh, you know what did Peter say at Pentecost in his sermon? This, this Jesus you killed, but God raised him up, and he says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins." So and he. He connects the these religious
3: leaders to all of the ones of the past that killed the prophets. That's who the servants represent, and uh, talks about how with being the cornerstone, he's building the church for for new tenants.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So describe because uh, one thing that I think people are interested in, in what we've uh, been doing a little lately, is in kind of a if you listen to some of our last shows, kind of an, we've talked a lot about preaching. Last one we we uh, talked about your sermon. I don't know if you actually listened to that. Episode. I actually did listen to that one. How do we do? Do we do it your sermon, great.
2: Justice? Yeah, you uh, you guys were nicer than you should have been.
3: <laughs> you were even in the podcast,
1: even though you weren't here. Mm-hmm. I was here in spirit. Right. <laughs> so so because you you've, you've uh, what are some things that you as you were preparing this sermon that you were wrestling with?
3: So I was wrestling with just kind of going through the text in order and trying to write an outline and sermon from that. And uh, what helped was meeting with Bullhagen and talking about it and taking what I really wanted to say and moving that all the way to the front. And what I wanted to do was was bridge off that cornerstone language and talk about um, ancient building construction versus modern building construction. Do you think that might have to do with your previous profession? A little bit. <laughs> I do tie it into that.
1: Nice. Rock so, on.
3: Fist bump for the listener. With the, with the cornerstone, every single line and angle, alignment and elevation came from that based on that one stone, and that's what Christ does with building the church. Well, in modern construction, we use surveying for the same purpose, and we use benchmarks, known points, and everything is measured off of that. So, And I just talk about how important that is to proper building construction and, and things staying Per, per design. So in application to the Church, um, that is how Christ built the Church, but not everybody wants that cornerstone. Some reject it or stumble over it. And do we, um, as a nation, follow, use Christ as our cornerstone or not? So these are some questions that I'm fleshing out in the sermon.
2: Yeah, and being a builder, you know, if you rejected a uh... Uh, a survey, and then that mm-hmm. one is used. That would kind of
1: yeah make you angry, right? Things what, what, would topple. <laughs> what I like about <laughs> his his illustration is, isn't it funny when you know some city boy gets a call to a, a country and he 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 preaches about farming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but at least hey, this is true. Right. This is true to life because you know, right? I'm sure you said a lot of. Well, surveys, not cornerstones, but you yeah. know. But
1: one, one one interesting thing that really helped him write the sermon is we had a discussion. Like he said, sometimes when it comes to a, like a difficult text, what you need to do is understand the meaning, preach the meaning. So in this case, Christ being the cornerstone and what that means, mm-hmm. and then by the time you get to the the parable, then you have a framework by which you can explain the parable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it, we can, it can be hard to to uh, preach the parable and then get meaning. But if you can preach the meaning, which is the important part first and mm-hmm. say, th- and then this is why Jesus says here and Jesus says here, and this is what's going on. Yeah. Can really it really help.
2: It's weird because it's kind of a non sequitur in a way, because you start off with this beautiful Isaiah passage, right? Just kind of mm-hmm. this ex uh, explication of that. And then Jesus starts talking about cornerstones from, um what is it? Psalm 118, yep. right?
3: 22 and 23.
2: Right. Um, which is an a fascinating shift that you go from kind of an agricultural setting to more of a building setting, um, and it has to be a new a new church, right? Mm-hmm. Because, well, I mean, who are the ones who are opposed to to Christ? Who reject him? I mean, these are the people that should have been
3: waiting for him to come.
2: Yeah, and joyful, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, should have been preparing the people. I mean, these are the church leaders. Right? These are not just the people who are sitting in the pews, but these are, you know, the pastors and the theologians
3: of the Old Testament church. And people who actually believed they were doing the right thing. hmm. So, kind of something to what you were talking about, Berg, you could call this the parable of the unwise master because he, he went through all those motions sending his servants and they died, and then his son. But it w- the problem was not the will of the master or the ways of the master; it was the society that was supposed to receive him, right, or his will.
2: And that oftentimes, I, you know, I think that <clears throat> it's something that bothers a lot of Christians, especially when you see divisions and schisms and and fights in the church. Um, you you can get very very downhearted and dist- and distraught about it. Um, but this text also teaches us that, hey, you know, if this is what they did to Jesus, right? if if even people within the Old Testament church who should have known better rejected him, right and killed mm-hmm. him and they and they did the same things to the prophets, right? right? Um, we really shouldn't expect anything different today. I think in a way, it kind of takes away our our, uh, um, our naive thinking on these things that, oh, well, you know, the church, you know, this church is healthy because there's no conflict, and this church is sick because there's lots of conflict or this or that, right? Um, because, I mean, Jesus brought a lot of conflict <laughs> right. You know, into
1: the church. Um, and, and, you know, s- historically speaking, conflict has been a blessing in clarifying our doctrine over the years. Mm-hmm.
2: And it doesn't happen just from the outside, but it also happens within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we
1: just did a, a couple episodes on Seminex, for example.
2: Right. And so, you know, I think uh, we don't want to confuse the visible congregation with the invisible church. And I think that's that, that's another thing that this text can teach, right? Because the visible church, the vineyard and its, and its members, its tenants, uh, they're the ones who actually caused the death of the Son of God, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the invisible church, what you were talking about, right? The, that Christ is the cornerstone and that every member who is, uh, you know, the the house of living stones to use like yep. first Peter and the like, um, that all of these things are worked together. Right. And we don't see that. We don't see how perfect of a building it
1: actually is. Um, Vicar, do you mind talking about, um... You can say no. That little dist- that change that we made about the cornerstone, do you remember what that was? Because I think it's a good theological point.
3: In terms of emphasizing the stumbling block that it could also be? Right. Or, or
1: the discussion how, I remember how you originally had worded about how we need to make that our cornerstone. Okay, yeah. So clarifying that
3: we don't make it, we don't do the work. Right. This is all in grace. On what God has done for us and prepared for us to follow. Right. And it's not about what we do. And to use your
2: favorite hymn, you're just another brick in the wall. <laughs> right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing. You're we're well, we're the building material of this church,
1: right? And uh so But I thought it was interesting because it's it's really easy to then make it this is what we do. Right.
3: You're trying to flesh out application. Mm-hmm. How do I make Christ my cornerstone? What do I need to do? And that's the wrong approach, actually, right? Mm-hmm. It's what has God already done for mm-hmm. for me in Christ.
2: You know, I don't know if you've ever read, like, The Shepherd of Hermas. No. It uh, is a, uh, a second—I think it's a second-century document that was really popular in Rome, and he actually kind of takes up this this house language for the church, and he talks about the different stones— And he says, you know, sometimes the stone is just perfect and it fits right in place. Sometimes there are other stones that are, you know, they won't fit in this place, but they'll fit somewhere else. Um, I thought that was, you know, it's kind of an interesting, Mm -hmm. I mean, but of course he also, uh, you know, he has his own issues, but it's kind of interesting seeing another expositor, another preacher on, you know, kind of using this language in this text to,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: so. And, uh, and by the way, uh. We talked about in one podcast, uh, your sermon at the chapel, I got to preach at the uh, pastor's conference, which was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, very good sermon. Thank you. But uh, th- that was, uh, you know, it's interesting talking to, preaching to pastors, because it's a lot different than I, I would preach to, Yeah, you know. Uh, pastors have a big
2: temptation. Our temptation is to, you end up looking at, at the craft of the sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rather than, uh, you know, and I'm sure like Peter does the same thing, right? When you you listen to other podcasts, Peter, you probably listen more for the, you know, the quality, right? The production value, right? Yeah, it's definitely something after starting the podcast that you definitely pick up on for sure. Right. And I think as pastors, that's good, right? Because we know our craft and we should Mm -hmm. be seeking to learn. But I think for us, it can become a temptation where... The voice of the living God is drowned out because um, he has a, you know, uh, a dangling preposition or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. So anyways, well, let's move on. I've got a what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. But before I do, Peter, I would like to thank Philip. He's one of my favorite listeners right now. Oh, yeah. Philip is a great guy. Yeah. He's awesome. Do you guys know Philip? No. 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 Philip became a patreon sponsor. hey this week so we are dedicating this podcast to Philip. Boy we haven't dedicated a podcast in a yeah. long time. And uh, if you uh, ever want to drive up I'll, I'll share some tequila with you
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: But thank you. Uh, by the way Vicar, where if someone wants to to do that where where might uh, they get a hold of us? Well, they could email feedback at clericalerrors
3: or they could find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical podcast, or they could find us on Twitter at clerical
1: p p for podcast. At me, bro. <laughs> you got this, vicar. Come on. Yeah, you're doing. You're doing. You're great. doing fine. You're doing great. That's the end of
3: the list.
0: Oh, okay. Oh. All, All right. right. The other thing that we were talking about and mentioning is, if you want to support us on Patreon and get a episode dedicated to you, mm-hmm. you can go to patreon.com dot com slash podcast and uh, donate. It, you see, you can set your own monthly donation, as little as one dollar, I think, or as high as a million if you are Mister right. Moneybags. I, I mean, I won't, I won't stop I, I, you.
1: What I am thinking about doing, Peter, if we get like a certain level of donation, I should put together remember how we used to do uh, um, the dedications like to my wife or you did one to me sure yeah we should have one of those dedications to a patreon supporter alright
0: so what what level what (laughs) level becomes a patreon supporter then that they get the
1: they get the uh, dedication I don't know yet see we're gonna I'm gonna do this based on works righteousness because if they think they get to the level they'll only give that level you're right. You're right. You know what so I'm saying.
0: If if your monthly donation is high enough that we deem it <laughs> acceptable, you will get a full on dedication with music. Otherwise, with music and and soft, everything, soft
1: it's speech. Some, yeah, it it would be pretty epic. <laughs> be pretty epic.
2: Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking we should get Vicar to do some like uh, new social media things, like TikTok. You can make TikTok videos
3: for for us. Wow, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I might if it means a religious anything. exemption. A religious
0: <laughs> exemption? <laughs> if it
1: means anything, I wouldn't be able to do it either. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, let's be honest. We all know in this group, if anybody's going to make a TikTok video, it's probably going to be me. That's true. I, that's actually yeah. very true. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, this is someone who, who made a VBS uh, entitled Captain Creation who has since died. Captain Creation died.
0: My wife felt well, after killed it. Oh. after uh, after that VBS, he was never seen again. He went off, you know, into the sunset. So Okay. We don't well, maybe really he's in Florida.
1: Actually, this is this is when I was young and energetic and I had you know, you know how I get my spurts of creativity? I just got to let it go.
2: Well, this is why we're just never sure when we're going to get a bench press well, Cap- terrible. That's
1: right. Captain Creation was a A false superhero, who was actually, I think, if you actually look at the character, was way ahead of his time, because he was a superhero that was kind of a bumbling fool who learned his lessons. So kind of like every Marvel movie now, right? It was really just made a few. It was like a, yeah, that was an episode. Captain Create and then I have like various mistakes that Captain Creations made. An episode where Captain Creation stole Vickers cookies, and and tried to get away with it. Stole an ice cream cone. Oh man, he's a. Klepto. He was really good at basketball, though. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to find find an episode.
2: Well, that could be also another Patreon thing. It's like you donate so much. Above, oh yeah. And can, we put,
1: epi- you, can we
0: put can we put Captain Creation on the Clerical Airs uh, YouTube channel?
1: Uh oh. <laughs> we'll have to get the full council to see it first before we. <laughs> Uh, this, this is, if Captain Creation was, when you watch it, you think to yourself, there's no doubt this guy has ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think stick
2: it behind a paywall and see how many people, you know. You might get I'll, some hits on that on YouTube.
0: And, I'll try and get in contact with the foremost expert of uh, Captain Creation, see if we can not get a copy of it.
1: The funny thing is, like, if you think about that nonsense of Captain Creation, mm-hmm. do you know who was part of the very first Captain Creation? Is, is Dr. Mummy. Is he really? I mean, mm-hmm. what you? Oh, this I, would be even cooler. You want to talk about paywall, like ransom note, for, uh, ransom for? Yeah, mummy, this yep, is this is keep, coming out. Unless... Keep the paywall closed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what do you do if somebody writes looking for that as a VBS curriculum to borrow?
1: Um. Well, the quality. Remember, this was when Peter was probably six or seven, maybe eight. So this was. This was with Vicar number one, so it's the video quality VHS subpar. I help you make it. See, what would be cool is if we could
2: do this, and I know this would be a lot of work, is have the Captain Creation, you know, thing, and then have, like, you and Dr. Mummy's commentary on it. Oh? Like a Mystery Science Theater
1: 3000 sort of deal. That would be hilarious. Or we could we can have an event at the theater. We rent out the theater in town and play Captain Creation on the big screen. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'll at least try and get a picture of Captain Creation for us to put on the Facebook to kind of go. just see people's reaction. Okay, so. now Vickers intrigued, aren't you?
3: Yeah, but. I have to admit, I'm also looking at this hat that says, Make Missouri Great Again. Oh, yeah. Berg's hat, and it's been intriguing me today.
2: Yeah, I, uh, that was my line for a while, and a couple of parishioners made that hat for me. So I wear, I try to wear it to every district convention and, you know, <laughs> pastor's conference.
1: <laughs> so, All right. So I have enough nonsense. Uh, I have what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. Hey, Peter, play the intro. What is it? Who knows? We do. It's time for what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. Anyways, I got a what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. And this is a pretty simple one. It's the third commandment. Baker, what's the third commandment? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Okay, good. Good. Whew, he's got you that pound. one. All right. So, uh... Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So uh, I thought it would be an easy one, but I do think it is often misunderstood. So so obviously, just as we get into an overview, uh, Berg, how would you describe the Third Commandment? Um, the Third Commandment
2: is a mixture of the ceremonial law and the moral law. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember back to your catechism days, the moral law is applicable to all people at all times, right? Mm-hmm. It's God's immutable will. If you remember, though, back to the Old Testament, uh, the Sabbath was on Saturday. The Jews were required to um, rest on Saturday. They were required uh, to not even pick up sticks. Um, there was a man in uh, Exodus, I believe, who was stoned because he picks, picked up sticks on the Sabbath. Um and we see that Jesus in the New Testament uh, gets in lots of disputes so with the Pharisees. Sticks over and the... stones
1: actually broke his bones. Yes. Huh? They rocked him to sleep. <laughs>
2: uh, but now, uh, in the New Testament age, now that Christ has come and abrogated the ceremonial law, right, taken it away, um, we, can, we are able to worship any day, right? Mm-hmm. We worship on Sundays because Sunday is
3: the first day of the week and the day of rest and the day of Jesus creation. resurrection
2: right mm-hmm. the day of resur- the day that Jesus rose from the dead um and that's when we usually gather to you know hear god's
1: word mm-hmm. but every day is holy and every day is a day to hear god's word and the way martin luther puts it in the large catechism is uh, the only way anything is sanctified uh kept holy is by the word of god right and so that's why it's not just rest. It is about the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So so this is kind of my what it is, uh, what it ain't, and uh, what it could be for this. So first, w- what it is. What it is. Now, this is one of my stupid statements, but it, it, it really is a way of thinking about it. It is a commandment. <laughs> Actually,
2: that's not a stupid statement. <laughs> I think most people think it's the third option, not the third commandment.
1: Reason why I say that is because even as a pastor, we get into a rut, don't we? We are encouraging people to come to church. Come and hear the gospel. And uh, what can we do to get people to come to church? And we always are encouraging people to come to church and inviting them to come to church. At some point, people need to realize it actually is a commandment. Mm -hmm. It is a commandment, the third commandment given by God. You make God mad when you don't hear his word. So, so th- that's the thing. I mean, it is a commandment, you know, we, we, uh, we, uh, we understand the sixth commandment as being a commandment, right? On mm-hmm. adultery, right? And, uh, how offensive that is. And, uh, and we think of stealing and murdering, obviously we shouldn't do that. But the third commandment about loving God, that is a commandment just like those other ones. And I think that's something that people miss, right? People can think, well, I don't murder, I don't steal, you know, all those things. But church, hearing God's word, gathering together is a commandment, and we should treat it as such. So -hmm. that's the first point I want to make about what it is. So have you ever thought about it that way, Vicar?
3: Yeah, and further that it's, it's not something to despise. It's not a burden. It's, it's helpful rest, both physically but also spiritually, that we all
1: need. And the next what it is, um, it is a commandment that shows the love of God for us. Okay, go on. Okay. So even if you really think about it, you know, it is a commandment where you said there's a, a ceremonial law and moral law, mm-hmm. right? mm And uh, part of the moral law goes back not to the Ten Commandments, but to the very creation of the world. On the seventh day, God... Rested. Rested. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if you think about it from this aspect, is there is a commandment for you to rest in God's Word. That's for your sake.
2: Mm -hmm. Explain that point a little bit more, because I think that is a very, very important
1: one that people don't understand. Uh, what aspect do, do they not understand? Resting in God's Word. Um, well, that's just it. Just, uh, you know, uh, Psalm 84, for example. The, 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 the presence of God being a sanctuary, a safe place where a sparrow mm-hmm. can rest. It is a place where uh, you are in the safety of God's Word, you find rest for your souls— Mm-hmm. in the reception of the Lord's Supper, and uh, it is a place where you rest knowing everything is in God's hand in the forgiveness of your sins. Um, and, and your burdens of sin and death that we carry around each day is cast off. The, the Word uh, gives us life and rest. Do you think
2: people don't understand? I think people don't understand that today. Uh, on Facebook, um, I see a lot of talk about you know churches simply being a place to praise God. And then these people rightly say, well, we praise God in doing things out in the community and serving him and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a way to kind of get around the commandment of— right.
1: And actually, I'll just skip ahead then to another sorry, point I have, because it goes it goes in line with that, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I've mentioned next what it is, is we've talked about how it loves God, shows love to God, mm-hmm. right? But this commandment is really about loving your neighbor too. okay. Go yeah, keep going with that. Because if someone's, how often does someone say, "Well, I didn't, you know, I'm there for me to get what I need," but the, there is something that your brother needs you to be there too. Your brothers and sisters in Christ need you. Um, uh, as I say sometimes, how can you be a part of the body when you're apart from the body? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, uh, when the the finger isn't a part of your hand, your whole hand suffers. Yep. And and to one reason you are there even your own presence and lifting up your voice and confessing the faith and gathering together as a people of God not only do you need your brothers and sisters your brothers and sisters also need you. Mm-hmm. And so one way you love your neighbor is to to hear God's word with them. And so and so when someone says well, I can I can praise God, or I'm closer to God when I'm out fishing or hunting. That is then becomes selfish. that, right. that cares nothing for your neighbor,
2: and it is also ignorant of the rest you mm-hmm. talked about. Right. That when Jesus says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am weak and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls." Right. That is the primary purpose of church.
1: And if, you, if you're—another example of this is, is it, is it being a loving son, if you say you live in town with your grandmother or your mother, is it is it a loving son to let your elderly mother go to church alone? No. You know? So there is an aspect to this where gathering together is also—this commandment is also about loving your neighbor and, and loving your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only because of that reason, because then also— you you realize that it better equips you to love your neighbor through the forgiveness of your sins, mm-hmm. through the learning, learning of God's word and how what that love looks like, and so that's another aspect too. You know, one thing we can say is is God's word does actually make us better neighbors and better citizens. Yep. You know, sure. it makes us run hospitals better. That they something they understood Why do you think it was the Christians that originally that ran the orphanages? Mm-hmm. You know, because because Christians make good citizens. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that right now. As we become a less Christian country, what happens to our citizenship? Have we become better citizens? Doesn't seem like it. So,
3: so as, as we see our institutions break down
1: right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is a commandment uh, where where it's part of loving God and it's part of loving your neighbor. Another uh, uh, thing that I think is important of what it is, it is also part of this commandment then is holding the preaching of God, God's word, sacred. And there are two sides to this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Because I know as listeners, we have listeners who are people in the pews and we also have listeners of people who are in the pulpit. And and so... Um, one, the listener should hold the preaching of God's word sacred, and take it to heart and listen to it. You know, um, we, you know, like we said earlier, preach, uh, pastors are bad listeners of sermons. It is a big temptation, right? But it's we're to take those words to heart too. Mm-hmm. But also, on the, the other hand, is is pastors should hold their own preaching to be sacred. Mm-hmm. What do you think I mean by that?
2: it means that the sermon is the highest thing that a pastor does. And that just like you're working with Vicar, right? Mm-hmm. That we should be crafting our sermons to God's glory and for the benefit of our neighbors.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that's really benefited me as a pastor is, is um, I don't know, Vicar noticed how I'm always kind of evaluating my own preaching and trying to bounce things off. Yep. Did that work? Did that not work? Yep. How did you hear that, or how was this heard, do you think? And, and because— and I,
2: I can't remember who it was, but I want to say it was Luther. Luther said, you know, you should never have to pray, forgive us our trespasses, uh, when you enter the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are afraid that that's the case, uh, then your sermon isn't ready. Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Which is why, by the way, I don't, I don't evaluate sermons after they're preached. Right. For the vicar— because what do I want to do? Make first of all, if he preaches something that wasn't God's word, that's my fault,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? And and secondly, um, if you know, because there are some places where the pastor doesn't really hear it, and then the, the and then these t- well, let's talk about what you preach, day vicar. Well, then it's too late. What's done is done.
2: Yeah, yeah. I do think though, like you were talking about feedback. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's uh, you know,
1: yeah. But I mean, like when it's really cr- like a critical. Yeah, there's no point in, you know, right. kicking
2: somebody when they're down. Right. And vicars oh. are about as down as it comes, right? Yeah. Right, Vicar?
1: <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, so it is a commandment, going back uh, to the rest thing, that really structures the week for the Christian, too. Mm-hmm. How,
2: so what does that mean? How can Christians hold the preaching sacred? throughout the week.
1: Well, one is they can talk about it. Where? Right.
2: At home with their family. Where in particular? Where's a good Where's a good place? Um at the dinner table? Yeah, right? Dinner table. In tables, the car?
1: In the car on the way home? Mhm. Um what else can they do? Um well, one thing we do is uh, like our sermon studies. That we have the confirmation kids do mm-hmm. is uh, one of it is what did what did your parents think was important in the sermon to yep. try and get discussion with their own kids. It could be also a, some a way of that you can think of. Well, he I like how he worded, the, worded that. I have a friend who needs encouragement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: By the way, one of the sermon note
3: papers I was reading from last week, uh, a student asked their parent what they thought of the sermon, and the answer written down was. My dad thought it's hard to listen and write at the same time. (laughs) Not helpful, but (laughs) no, give some insight there and what's going on. Well, he's listening.
2: Yeah. I I think another thing that is very helpful is since the sermon is the direct application of God's word to the people, one thing you can do is take the bulletin home and read the bulletin. You know, read the... The readings again Mm -hmm. throughout the week, every day of the week, Um, and maybe even memorize particular passages in those readings. Right, that were incredibly, you know, that were uh, very prominent in the sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a way then for the Word of God that has been preached to you uh,
1: to be in your life throughout the entire week. it kind of reminds me of uh, well, you know how I am with my sermons, right? Once I write them and I preach them, like I'm—I I don't even know, like my two funeral sermons. Did I leave them on in Latimer. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think so and like uh, the, I, at the my, and I'm pretty sure my sermon at the pastors conference I probably accidentally left there too because mm-hmm. I'm done with it, right? And I don't really have any kind of my filing system is a pile of sermons about this high. Yeah, you know.
2: Well, and that's the thing, sermons. Ought to always be timely or, or contemporary. I actually wrote two sermons on the Matthew twenty-two
1: text. So, but they're... my my point I wanted to make is what's been interesting about that is, is I have a member who takes notes during the sermon uh-huh. and she refers back to them. And so one time in Bible study, uh, we were taught, I was talking about a text, you know, and and I had someone in my Bible study who said <laughs> something I don't even remember what the point was, and she goes. Uh, well, a pastor once said this about this text, and it was a really good point. And I said, "Wow, who was that?" He said, "Well, you said it in a sermon like five years ago." <laughs> ha! Oh, <laughs> boy, I was smart at
2: one point. I right? Guess. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. It's, uh, but that's good. I mean, and that's what should be. That's
3: what should be done, right? Doesn't that, pastor, Bullhagen, Doesn't that give the opportunity to look at each text? the text each year fresh and not have the temptation to look back and see, well, let's just see what
1: I said last year and I'll just tweak it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's now every pastor's different. That that's what works for me Mm -hmm. because I, as an ADHD person, my temptation always gears towards the fastest, easiest way. And I have to guard against that. Mm -hmm. So, so for me, uh, yes, that actually, I think it forces me to look at it afresh, a new, every time, and not just kind of just lay on the laurels of what I did and how I looked at the text five years ago or ten years ago.
2: Right. Well, like I, uh, you know, the the text for this Sunday, Matthew 22, that I'm doing, uh, the first sermon I wrote, I was like, you know, I thought it was really cool. But I started thinking about it, and it's like, you know, because I talked about how the sermon has to be timely because really the parable that Jesus tells, right, the, the kingly banquet, Mm-hmm. It's the same, basically. It's almost the same text, the same sermon that we heard back in Trinity Two, in Luke fourteen, with the parable of the great supper. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, and you know, this whole sermon was how you know Jesus really preaches the same sermon, but because of the context, uh, there are things that are added, there are things that fall out, mm-hmm. there are you know, there are like distinct changes in how he preaches this sermon. And then I was like, well, this would be great at a pastor's conference. Probably doesn't work for here. So I wrote a different one.
1: <laughs> but so so yeah, I mean, the, that, that's, that's but like I said, every pastor is a different, but that's one, one thing I try and safeguard against for me because I know I know my nature, <laughs> right. and I want I don't you know, I know my, my weaknesses and I wouldn't want that to become a weakness in my own sermon preparation.
2: Yeah, I was just reading Paul Hensel, and he said, uh, you know, the sermon, like uh, like fresh manna, needs to be gathered every day, and if it's left overnight, it breeds worms and stinks. Mm-hmm. And then he applies that to preaching, and I think it's pretty common, you know, that there are if you know there can be regular preaching going on, but if it's, um, if it isn't timely, right? You know, there's there's an issue there, right. So, back to your point about, you know, holding it sacred. Pastors, you should preach sermons. Yeah. Timely.
1: Timely, and and, uh, and you, use, you think of your sermon preparation and, as being sacred yeah, as well.
2: and not so general as to, you know,
1: be used again. <laughs> <laughs> right. But. And then one, one thing that Vicar actually and I were talking about preaching again this morning a little bit, and uh, I, I kind of mentioned when it comes to, like, the law or even the, go- the Gospels, too, is, uh, you know, part of preaching the law is, is uh, to a certain degree, it's got to hit you in the heart, too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something that stings you a little bit. Because I think sometimes we might, when it comes to law, do a laundry list of things that we think people are struggling with, or we're kind of just throwing against the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, yeah.
2: And that's I, I, that's also another issue too. I was talking at the classics conference with a Protestant, mm-hmm. just retired. Um, we've heard a lot of their stuff on this show. Um, his name is Floyd Brandt, and uh, you know what he was talking about. I think is a particular temptation that in preaching that well, all the law is for those people out there, mm-hmm. right? All for those people out there, rather than it actually striking. The people in
1: the pews, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, kind of like a, what? What? I, and I even mentioned to Vicar, like my the, the sermon I preached at the pastors' conference. So I was a little more open about how it actually hit me. The mm-hmm. law did um, because I knew the pastors, as pastors, it hit would hit them the same way, right? You know. And so I said, I've thought this. I felt this way mm-hmm. because it was it was a sore spot in, for me, and I knew it probably would be for them. But at the same time, I think this is probably harder for—this is where the tentatio comes in, right. in preaching, where it's uh, got to be something that you yourself also have struggled with. Mm-hmm. I mean, or or something that you've actually talked to your members who have struggled with it, and you care about them, and you want to—you see how the law and the gospel hits them to help inform how you should preach it.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, because there's, yeah, you can, uh, like, for example, you know, Ahithophel's, you know, suicide, right? Uh, Vicar preached for me uh, at the, uh, um, for our chapel, right? Mm -hmm. He preached on uh, Ahithophel and how his counsel is rejected, and what does he do? He goes and hangs himself, right? Because he is uh, shamed, By that, right? Not only does this show, you know, that God's will is done, but it also shows uh, the problem with pride. And Ahithophel is a guy that uh, he loves being an advisor, right? He Mm -hmm. loves uh, advising kings. He he wants to be heard. And um, even though most of us aren't advisors to kings, we all want to
1: be heard. I mean, like, you know. Well, you know, I I do think I do think the district president listens to me once in a while. <laughs> Does that count?
2: But you know, it's when it's <laughs> it's when they when they don't, right? Um, when you know, I mean, especially pastors, right? Isn't this our thing, mm-hmm. right? Where uh, people don't listen, right? They don't want to hear, uh, and I mean, we like the big crowds because mm-hmm. it's not like it's it's not like we're we got into this because we don't like to talk. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just be honest, right? I mean, right? You know, so that's the thing is, you know, making those applications there are pretty awesome. So,
1: so what it ain't? I go to my what it ain't section here. What it ain't? It was brought up earlier. It doesn't have to be Sunday, right? Right. But I do think, for order's sake, it should. Yeah, I agree with you. So my point is, well, we can we can say, well, I can, you know, worship at other times. And yes, that is that is certainly attending divine service at a different time other than Sunday is good. But at the same time, I think there's something about Christian order as well. And just like God commanded having a, a day set aside on the seventh day, even though for us it's really the the first day of the week, you know, that... that it's good to have for order's sake that a day set aside for that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's for work schedules or school schedules or, you know, sports schedules.
2: Right. You have to have, I mean, this is just order, right? You have right. to have a time that everybody knows about that everyone can come to, right? Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately not everyone can come to church every day of the week. Right. You know, it's just it's not possible. The other thing I think it this is where the third and fourth commandment kind of bleed into one another, right? Because we do this because this is what our fathers have done, Mm -hmm. right? Going all the way back to the apostles, they worshiped on the Lord's Day, Sunday. That's what they did. And this is part of respecting our fathers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though, yeah, it is a tradition. We don't have to do it, but, you know, you don't have to celebrate Christmas either. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to do these different things, but you do it, you know, even if you don't particularly like it, you do it because you respect
1: your dad. hmm You know? So. So, but I just thought it was important to say that because there is, because it is, we're talking about the moral, not the, the ceremonial. Right. Um, that- and
2: there are plenty of legalists around, like, uh, you know, the Seventh-day Adventists, right? Who say it has to be on Saturday or you're sinning. And the Puritans were this way too, where they're like, yeah, it's a law, you, it has to be on Sunday. They were called Sabbatarians, um and
1: we don't believe that. right. So uh, another point of what it ain't. The, the third commandment is not just about keeping a foot and a half of the church pew warm for an hour a week. Yep, you actually have to engage God's word. You actually have to listen to it. mm-hmm. And uh, there is something about uh, I've noticed that there is uh, kind of an Iowa stoicism in, in church where where um, men don't like to sing. And they just kind of sit there.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's really distressing because, you know, like you talked about earlier, how you being in church helps your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Fathers, you being in church, participating, and singing the liturgy helps your children. It does. It helps your children because you are their role model. You are their example. I, 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 when you don't sing, they are not going to sing. Right. And that is a tragedy.
1: It really is. So, And and so part of that is, one, not just is your participation, but also, like we said earlier, actually taking it to heart.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're no different at the end of the year than you were at the beginning, you've broken the third commandment because this is what God's Word does. God's Word actually does change you. It actually does clothe you. It actually does forgive you. It actually does strengthen you. I mean,
1: <laughs> it, it's not, it's not, a, church is not a confirmation bias where I just t- confirm all the things. You, that's part of it where, you know, we confess together what you believe, the, the Apostles' Creed, but there's also an aspect of challenging the listener by God's word, the, the churchgoer, everyone there to be challenged by God's word to change your mind about something.
3: One thing we've talked about in the Monday Vickers Bible study a little bit with God's Word is that it's performative and it's authoritative. Mm-hmm. And people forget that that it always can you, has been.
2: Can you explain the performative and the authoritative?
3: Um, God's Word being performative, it does what it's supposed to do and what it says it's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't fall short. So we don't have to defend... God's word we just need to let it out and it and it can defend itself. It does something. Mhm. But authoritative people don't always believe that that is an authority today that we can go look at God's word that it's it's a cornerstone that should govern movement and direction in our lives.
2: Mhm. Yeah, when you hear, well my Jesus wouldn't. It's like do you really know the Jesus
1: you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you read just a little bit of the Bible, it would, you know. So, uh, and uh, some of my points kind of uh, reiterate the same point, but what it ain't, going back to what the third commandment, it's not just between you and Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a gathering, um, you know.
2: Church means assembly. hmm You can't be the church by yourself. And that's actually one of my, I hate that. I hate that. I hate this modern, oh, you know, don't just be in church, be the church. You know what they've done? They've turned the communion of saints, the gathering of believers by the Holy Spirit into works righteousness.
1: Mm-hmm. And, so and it's kind of it. funny how, how we, we address this really from both angles, because um, uh, my sermon on Sunday about uh, the paralytic mm-hmm. and how uh, Jesus says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. I explain that that is actually the clearest form of, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I kind of compared it a little bit to the gospel in a nutshell, where we think, oh, that's the clearest form. God gave his son for the world. And my point was the world didn't come through the roof on that mat that day. That one sinner did that Jesus forgave. The clearest words of of the gospel were said at that time, son, your sins are forgiven. Yep,
2: take courage, right? Yeah, take heart. That's why you can take heart. Actually, I think the gospel in a nutshell. Everybody, th- you know, everybody says it's John three, sixteen or whatever. I don't actually think that's true. I think it's what the whole twenty seven books are named for. The Lord's Supper, right? Mm-hmm. It's the New Testament, right? That's that is the gospel in a nutshell, right? Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Take, drink, this is the blood of the New Testament, right, which is shed for
1: you for the forgiveness of sins. Right, and, and it's and, it's a
2: simple reception,
1: and, but it but it goes along with what I just said, the right. uh, For you, right? The
2: for you, mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, and so, and so that's why one the Lord's Supper is so important. That's mm-hmm. why it's important to hear from an in- individual basis. Your mm-hmm. sins are forgiven, you,
2: because that's the thing. Is like uh, John three sixteen. I mean, what it does is it really puts forward a uh, redemption, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is is how is that redemption then applied to us right and I think that's the part where you know a lot of American evangelicals talk about it right mm-hmm. is like well you know
1: God died for you you know because that's that's what I mentioned even the sermon I mentioned that that's what a lot of times I think keeps people from church because well I know John 3:16 I know the I know it and, and mm-hmm. but you know is it for you? Yeah, are how, you receiving it for you? For how forgiveness? is
2: that forgiveness that Jesus won on the cross applied to you today? And that is really—I mean—that is really the whole point of the of mm-hmm. the third commandment. That's why, yeah, we pester you to come to church, right? Because we want you to be
1: forgiven, <laughs> right? And 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 so we think, well, I, I know the nutshell. I got the basics. I've got my confirmation certificate on the wall, you know. Um, but the for you is something you need to hear often and receive often for your sake. That's the clearest form of the gospel. Um, Yeah, and I
2: kind of touched on this. Sorry, I'm going back to Matthew 22. Oh, that's fine.
1: Um,
2: Because I I do, uh, I talk about the difference between knowledge and faith. I mean, you know, people can have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. People can have a lot of knowledge about the catechism. Doesn't mean they believe it, right? Faith is a trust of the heart. And if Jesus says these things that it's for you, then what does faith do? It goes, right? Mm -hmm. It
3: goes. It wants to hear the beloved speak. It wants to receive his gifts. We talked a couple weeks ago how when looking at the sermon text, even the demons had knowledge. Right. But they did not have faith.
2: Yeah, the devil can quote the Bible. Mm -hmm. He can quote it a lot better than we can.
1: So. So, So there you go. I guess I, I uh, uh I got ran out of time I didn't have what it could be, should we but I think that's all incorporated in the, the two the ones yeah. I did.
2: What it could be is not only faithfully attending on Sunday, but you know, fathers and mothers being little pastors and pastorettes in their homes speaking the word of God to their children and making it and if it's important to you as parents, it's gonna be important to your kids, which is what you want. Right. I guess we'll ca- cover the question next time.
1: Sorry, Hannah. So, we might meet Hannah. Dun, dun,
2: dun. So,
1: Hannah, we have to confess something. We kind of had this plot. Hannah's coming down to Iowa to camp, and she's going to tour the studio. We we kind of wanted to do the ongoing gag of of uh, not actually meeting you, and then maybe having, like, the custodian let you in to see the studio and having a plate of cookies on there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but also not, like, real cookies, like some Oreos or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, we'll break down. We're we're excited to actually show you the studio and get to meet your family. It's it'll be awesome. Yeah. So, all right. That being said, I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg, and I'm Vicker. And may your Sabbath be holy. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns. You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical on Twitter at clerical p for podcast, or email us at feedback at Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.